Hello again, this is attorney Sean McLaughlin, and I'd like to welcome you to Law for Life, a program designed to provide useful information about the law as it relates to real-life situations and from a Christian or biblical perspective as appropriate. Law for Life is sponsored by Trinity Law, a local law firm available at 1-866-464-5297 or online at yourlawfirmforlife.com. This is attorney Matt Mangus, and joining me today is attorney Sean McLaughlin to, it looks like, wrap up our series on employment law. During the course of the series on employment law, we've talked about uh, at-will employment. We've talked about uh, discrimination claims, uh, unemployment claims. And uh, now we're talking about workers' compensation claims. And in a previous program, we talked about the types of uh, things that an employee can make a claim for and the types of things they cannot. Uh, right at the end of our last program, Sean, we were talking about how there's a series of hearings uh, held. Uh, and you told us a little bit about what happens at the first hearing. It was kind of a, a limited hearing, uh, that first hearing that's held. Uh, that's right. Uh, typically at the first hearing, Matt, what you'll do is the it's the employees, the injured employees' time to put on their testimony about the basic nuts and bolts of their case, how they were injured, when they were injured, whether they told their employer, uh, the types of treatment that they had, uh, and that kind of thing. Of course, the employer will be able to cross-examine the injured worker as well. But after that first hearing is held, normally the judge will then set a time for the parties to return so that the employer can put on their side of the case as well. That's called their defense. And at the first hearing, the judge will also direct the parties as to how the medical testimony will be handled. Now, generally speaking, if the claim is for injuries that will resolve or expected to resolve in less than 12 months, the judge will let the parties submit medical records. On the other hand, if the injury will last or is expected to last 12 months or more, the parties will have to get their physicians to provide testimony by way of medical depositions. How do medical depositions work? All right. Well, what happens there, Matt, is the attorneys actually go to the doctor's office and the doctor will answer questions. Your doctor will answer questions that will be recorded by a court reporter or a stenographer about the workers, your ability to return to work and the like. Now, this is usually relatively expensive, too, because you got to pay that doctor and you're usually looking at, you know, $1,000, two, $3,000, depending upon the doctor, what type of doctor it is. And that's why it's usually a good idea to know what your doctor is going to say before he gives his um, deposition testimony under oath. Now, the transcript or the, the typed out version or booklet of what the doctor says then is sent to the judge to review as part of the case. Uh, so we talked about doing these doctor's depositions. Uh, what doctors are, are used by either the employee or the employer? Do they use the same doctor? Well, no, they don't. Good question. Typically, the employee is going to use or rely upon their own doctors, their own treating sources. But generally, the insurance company will have the worker evaluated by their own company doctor, and that doctor is the one that the employer is going to use in the insurance company. This is referred to as an independent medical examination or an IME. But in reality, Matt, I've seen that they're anything but independent. The doctors that the employer and the insurance company hire basically testify um, on behalf of the employer, not on behalf of the injured worker. And they say things like, you know, the person's not injured or they're not as bad as they say they are and they can return to work now. All right. So tell us about any uh, trends you've seen uh, going on in the workers' comp law. Well, Matt, since I started practicing in the early uh, 1991, um, uh, since then there have been three substantial changes to the workers' comp law. And each time it's changed, i got to tell you, 
The changes don't favor the little guy. The changes don't favor the uh, injured worker. Uh, I suspect that the insurance company lobby in Harrisburg um, are very well funded. And so those changes seem to be made invariably more and more in favor of the employer. And it gets much, much more difficult. There are more hoops that the employee has to jump through. Now, just to circle back to where we started with this, so you think that's part of the reason why uh, an employee can't make uh, certain types of claims? Well, that could be. I mean, that, that's been the law in Pennsylvania for, for decades, really, uh, that the employee is only restricted to filing a claim in workers' comp court, and that's the only type of claim they can make. And those claims are even getting more and more difficult, more and more hoops to jump through. Okay. Well, this concludes our series of programs on employment law. Uh, If you've missed uh, previous programs on employment law and want to hear about uh, discrimination claims, workers' compensation, you can also go to our website, uh, www.yourlawfirmforlife.com, to review the programs there. I want to remind the audience that nothing said on this Law for Life program is intended as legal advice as each person's situation is different. If you have a legal need, please see an attorney. You can freely listen to today's program or any past program or series on our website, yourlawfirmforlife.com. That's yourlawfirmforlife.com. Just click the Resources tab. Inquiries about the program can also be directed to the local law offices of Trinity Law, toll-free 1-866-464-LAWS. That's 1-866-464-LAWS.